It is uh, normal that at the end of our announcements right there, we pray for our offering. Um, and I don't know what happened. Terry's back there going like this. So, I, yeah. How about let's pray for our offering real quick. So, Lord, <laughs> thank you for blessing us. And, Father, we in return, God, we just are thankful to be able to give back to you. Lord, you uh, have abundantly, just like Terry said, we talk about what we're grateful for. God, you have taken good care of us. And Lord, today, to be able to minister to 300 people who are in a position, Father God, to, to, to receive. Lord, it's better to give than receive because if we're able to give it, that means we've already been given it. Lord, thank you for how you've blessed each one of us. Father, we just ask right now, take our offering, use it, multiply it. God, let it satisfy your dreams, your desires the things that you want to accomplish in this earth. And we give you praise for that now in Christ's name. Amen. And remember that our offering is not passed in a bucket or a plate, but there are offering boxes at all the exits when you leave. Uh, when we started the series, uh, Pastor Terry mentioned we're coming to the end of it tonight, but when we started the series and talking about Genesis, I made a couple of comments on the idea that biblical illiteracy uh, is out there pretty rampant today. And it's not just in, in the world at large, but the people in the church don't know how to interpret Genesis. A lot of people look at Genesis and they want to try to figure out reasons and ways. Uh, instead of seeing it literally, they want to find out, well, could it be an allegory or could it have a, have a dual meaning? And so we talked about that early on in the, uh, in the message and I was sent this, um, this little joke and I thought it was pretty funny. It kind of fit with that idea right there. And uh, it just said an atheist was seated next to a little girl on an airplane. He turned to her and he said, do you want to talk? Flights go quicker if you strike up a conversation with your fellow passenger. The little girl who had just started to read her book replied to the total stranger, what would you like to talk about? No, I don't know, said the atheist. How about why there is no God, no heaven, no hell, no life after death? And he smiled smugly. Okay, she said, those could be interesting topics, but let me ask you a question first. A horse, a cow, and a deer all eat the same stuff, grass. Yet the deer excretes little pellets, the cow turns out little flat patties, and the horse produces apples. Why do you suppose that is? The atheist, visibly surprised by the little girl's intelligence, thinks about it and says, hmm, I have no idea. To which the little girl replies, do you really feel qualified to discuss why there is no God, no heaven, no hell, no life after death, when you don't know poop? And then she went back. <laughs> to reading her book. Now, if you think, gosh, that was sort of out there, I changed the word so I could read it in church. <laughs> On your seat, you'll find the notes for that. If you grab them, follow along with me, that's great. If you want to just listen, that's fine. I want to welcome all of our campuses today, uh, not just here at Lone Tree, but Highlands Range, Castle Rock, those that live stream us, those that will listen later on the next couple of weeks via the podcasting, the CD, the DVD. However you're a part of the greater JFC family, we sure are appreciative and grateful that you join with us week in and week out. Um, want to, uh, as, as, as we said, wrap this series up and wrap it up in a really strong way. Part of our hope is after the first of the year, we talked about this. We had a, a getaway retreat for a night with the executive team. We talked about the first few months of the year, 
what we're going to teach, what it looks like. And one of the things we recognize is that we, we feel like um, this series with Genesis has just gone just so well, and God's done so many things with it, and yet we know we're barely getting through the first few chapters, to be real honest with you. So we feel like somewhere right after the first of the year, within the first six months, we'll come back and do some more in Genesis, um, looking at more of the Bible characters of Genesis. In fact, we're going to call it old school heroes is what we're going to do. And, and talk about that a little bit. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Tonight, though, we're going to wrap up talking about Abraham. And I put in your notes, here's, I, I just give you this honest admission. I don't think there's any way to do this man honor in one message. I mean, you're, you're talking about the patriarch of our faith. You're talking about an individual that God used in such a tremendous way. And to try in one message to cover everything there is to cover about Abraham, it's worthy of a series, to be, to be honest with you. And so I, I, in, in trying to then say, okay, what should I talk about? I don't want to give 50 things that I like about Abraham. What, what should we talk about? I just came up with a few things that I admire about him, things that I felt were worthy to, uh, maybe, maybe this is the good idea. Maybe this is the message that actually leads into the next part on the old school heroes. And maybe we can whet your appetite in, uh, in showing you what we're going to be talking about. So uh, I'm going to look at Hebrews 12.1. If you find it there at the top of your notes, this is what Paul writes about Abraham. He says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I just taught, um, I taught a message recently to a group of people and I, I just said, when I was in Bible college, one of the quick things that they taught me, and use this for your personal study. Anytime in the Bible, when you find the word therefore, there, therefore is a connecting bridge to the information that was given right before that sentence. So anytime you find the word therefore, you want to look backwards. You want to read what's the therefore. What is the therefore setting up? So Paul writes here, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the hall of faith, if you know the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 begins to talk about all the patriarchs and all the things that they did. And it talks about Abraham, and it talks about Abraham's exploits. So that when Paul comes into Hebrews 12, and he says, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The witnesses are the people who lived before us, who God did phenomenal things with. And here's the point. They're standing around us, as it were, cheering for us, encouraging us, watching what we're doing. They're bearing witness that they did it, and so can you. And so Paul tells us, lay aside everything that keeps you from running effectively. And remember, you're surrounded by people that God's used just like you. And they're cheering for you. They're pulling for you. Really, I, I put down in your notes, this was just a thought that I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me, and I think maybe it's, uh, it's something that would be of benefit to you. I, I put down a reason we still have the Old Testament. Have you ever asked, since we're under a new covenant, and since Christ is taught about uh, mostly, now prophetically we read about him in the Old Testament, but he's taught in the New Testament, why do believers, born-again believers, why do we have the Old Testament? What's the purpose for it? Well, I'd give you a couple of different things, but the main one tonight that I would, I would kind of throw out to you, I think that the Old Testament serves as a book of testimony to us of the things that God wants to do in our lives. And, and now I need to explain testimony because probably if, if, you grew up, if you grew up without a very religious background, uh, testimony was something that you did in court. But if you grew up in a religious background, here's how it was for me. I, I, I grew up as a Catholic kid, 
And then I was invited, this is in the South, I was invited to a little Southern Pentecostal church, an Assembly of God church. Maybe 70 people in the building, and they, they were 70 excited people. It's the only way I can say they were excited. And, and um, here's how church was. You did church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Anybody else remember? Did you go to a church like that? There's a few of us, maybe, maybe a quarter of us. That's how you did church. It was Sunday morning, Sunday night. Sunday morning was sort of just, um, you know, whatever theme the pastor was teaching on. Sunday night was generally a Bible study. And Wednesday, Wednesday could be a little bit of a, like a prayer meeting or a testimony time. So usually what they do, the only instrument they had in the church was a piano. And the woman who led worship led from a piano. She had, how many of you remember the hymnal? Just turn to page whatever or song whatever, you'd lead out of the hymnal. So she'd do a couple of songs. And the pastor would come up and the pastor would say, uh, do we have any testimonies? And inevitably, with a church of 70 people, you begin to hear the same testimony if you're there for any length of time. Usually there was two or three people that give testimony. One woman, Sister Mildred, Sister Mildred would always give testimony. She'd stand up and talk about something that God did, but it would be the same thing over and over again. All right, we, um, we got to the point where we'd laugh at that. And we thought it was kind of funny. But here's the deal. I think testimony in the right dimension is one of the most powerful things that can begin to happen in our lives. So let me, let me give you an example and try to take you, take you down this real quick. And the reason I'm teaching this, when I go to read about Abraham, Abraham serves as a testimony to us. His life is supposed to cause us to have faith. And a lot of times we read it, and if we don't read it to really get why it's there, we don't get the benefit out of it. So testimony is this powerful thing that God has given to us to build faith in our lives. I'll give you a great, for instance, do you remember the story when Jesus goes to the well and he meets the Samaritan woman? And Jews weren't allowed to talk to Samaritans. They were sort of the, the lower, lower. And Jews in particular, to show how religious or righteous they were, wouldn't associate with people who weren't righteous. So Jews as a whole didn't talk to Samaritans. So Jesus comes to this well in Samaria. He meets a Samaritan woman, and he asks her for a drink of water. The woman goes, hey, first of all, don't you know that I'm a Samaritan? You Jews don't talk to us. Second of all, why don't you get the drink for yourself? Jesus goes, if you knew who was asking you for a drink of water, you'd actually ask him for a drink, and I'd give you water, and you'd live forever. This woman goes, what are you talking about? And Jesus begins to prophesy to her who he is, and then he begins to tell her things about herself that only God could know. You ever had an experience where God reads your mail? (laughs) Jesus begins to read her mail, and he tells her, hey, why don't you go get your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, you've had five. You're not married right now. You're living with a guy. (laughs) You know, encounters with Christ could be a little (laughs) off-putting. So Jesus begins to tell her that he is the Christ, the Son of God, that he's there because God sent him, that he wants to minister to her and to her village. And the Bible says she goes back to her village and she begins to tell them. The word says she gave testimony. John chapter 4. She gave testimony. 
as to who Jesus is. And this is what the Bible says. Many Samaritans believed in him because of her testimony. Then they came out to meet Jesus. And then it says many more believed in him after meeting him. But it's possible to believe in Jesus just based on the testimony of somebody else. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It is possible to build faith in your life just based on what somebody else did or somebody else experienced with God. I remember probably uh, Tom Ewing. And some of you know Pastor Tom. He heads up all of our worship teams. Pastor Tom, uh, I don't know, this was probably 15 years ago, a little more than that. Um, Tom, Tom gave me a tape. That tells you how long ago it was. It was a tape. He gives me, he gives me a tape, and on it is a worship leader who's got an affliction with his voice. He was, he was a national worship leader. DJ, I think you know this story. And he ended up, he damaged his vocal cords. And he lost his ability to sing. And, and, he, and we have to talk like this. And he couldn't sing anymore, and he sounded horrible. And he lost his ministry. And Tom said, John, I want you to listen to this tape because you're not going to believe what happens. And he said, I'm not going to tell you, but you've got to listen to it. So I put it in, I'm listening to it. And the guy's leading a conference talking like this. You'd have never thought he had this beautiful voice. And he's talking about how God can heal. And while he's talking like that, the Lord touches him. And his voice cracks. And he tries to clear it. And he does it again. And all of a sudden, after like a six or seven year affliction, the Lord heals him instantly. While he's talking on this tape. So he begins to sing. And the place, you have to, re- this is at a conference with two or 3,000 people. The place is awestruck at what God just did. I never met the man. I didn't see the man. All I could do was listen. I remember pulling my car over and I'm weeping and I'm like, God, you are the healer. Touch me. God, wherever I go, I want to see this happen. For The power of testimony is that it can raise a faith level in us. When we see God do something for somebody else, we want it too. We don't have to sit there and, and, and just think God used to do those things. How many of you believe God still can do those things? All right, how about this? How many of you believe that God wants to do those things? One more level. How many of you think God is doing those things? Testimony. Testimony. Testimony begins to raise the level of faith in our lives. And when we read about... These individuals who lived before us and who did great exploits and who God used, you need to understand, they weren't Jesus. They weren't supernatural. They were men and women just like you and me. And when we read about them, it is to begin to raise the level of faith in our life to know that God wants to do that in us too. So when we talk about Abraham tonight, let me give you three things that I think really begin to teach me three things that are testimony about Abraham. The first one is, I put down the man of faith. A powerful man of faith. In Genesis chapter 12, the very first time we begin to read about Abraham, the Lord shows up in Abraham's life this way. God visits Abraham and he tells him, get out of your country, leave your family and from your father's house, go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Now, if we just stopped right there, that's a big chunk to swallow, yes or no. For God to show up and say, leave everything you know. Leave everything you've been raised around, all of your inheritance, everything that's been given to you. Here's what I want you to do. Leave it all, follow me, and if you do that, I'll bless you. Now, if it just stopped right there, all of us are left with, wow, that's pretty big. I wish God would do that. Do you really wish God would do that for you? What would be your response if God, what would, if God came tonight and said, leave everything? And by the way, that's exactly how Jesus did with the disciples, didn't he? Leave everything and follow me. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then the reply, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from her. You get what I'm saying? He's not 20. He, it's not as though he doesn't have anything to risk in the situation. How about this sentence right here? God loves it when we just believe him and act on it. Let me say it one more time. God loves it when we just simply believe him and we begin to act on it. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, when I, when I talk about Abraham, the man of faith, let me, let me stop. I've mentioned this before. Faith in the American church, man, in the last 25 years or so, it's really gotten, uh, it's taken on a Middle Eastern context to it. Meaning that people take faith and they use it as some kind of a mind control issue. Like if I had enough faith, I can control all the stuff around me. Or if I have enough faith, I can make things come my way. How many of you saw Star Wars? You remember when Yoda said, use the force? I would submit to you, the American church has sort of seen faith as some Star Wars exhibition yeah. to control stuff. If I have enough, it can, I can make money come my way. If I have enough, I can make people do what I want. And I would say to you, that is more mind over matter philosophy than it is real faith. Real faith is not about controlling anything. Real faith is about believing God. You don't get faith in order to make things happen. You listen to God and believe Him, and He'll make things happen. Did you hear that? I put down... In my notes, they're not in yours, but in my notes, the Bible says that faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the, by the word of God. All right, let me, let me explain to you real faith here real, real fast. Faith is not me reading about wealth and then going, I want that. So I'm going to come up with enough faith to start believing God for wealth. That's not what it means when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. In the New Testament, the word, word. (laughs) Slow down. The word, word has a dual meaning. Logos, which what you're reading right now is logos. It's the written word. All of us write, that's logos. But then there's the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, rhema. Rhema is when you read something or you hear something from God and it takes on a separate life-giving meaning. For instance, 
Have you ever read the Bible? And you just read, 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 and nothing great is happening. And then all of a sudden you read something and the Spirit of God just leaps out and speaks to your heart. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever listened to a message? And it's just talk, 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 sort of like right now. But then all of a sudden, maybe it's only a sentence or a word or a theme or a thought, but all of a sudden in the middle of it, the Holy Spirit speaks and you hear the voice of God and it goes deeper than what's being said. Has that ever happened to you? You ever been in worship and a song is being sung and it's just sing, 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 sing. But Dan, all of a sudden, God pulls the curtain back and in the middle of the song, something pierces right to the soul or the heart of the person and you hear the voice of God in it. Has that ever happened to you? Okay, the difference between Logos and Rhema is that. It's when the Holy Spirit speaks through the instrument. Okay, backing up. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Rhema of God. You can't decide what you're going to have faith for. That's good. You must hear God speak to you, and then you can have faith yep. in what God said. Yep. Did you just hear that? Yep. God must breathe life into what you're reading, singing, praying, listening to, in order for you to have any opportunity to see a miracle. The miracle doesn't come because you decide, I'm going to exercise mind over matter. Or I want something so desperately, and therefore because I want it and I believe it, God's going to give it to me. That, that, folks, that is, that's nothing more than trying to control. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the spoken, revealed, life-giving, blow-up-in-your-spirit word of God. And until that happens, it doesn't matter how much you say you believe it, until you hear from God, you can't have real faith for something. Do you hear that? When I come back to Abraham being a man of faith, what strikes me about Abraham is that God speaks to Abraham to leave everything, and the Bible says Abraham simply believed God. The reason it worked out for Abraham was because Abraham actually heard so. If Abraham would have just decided, I'm leaving my family, I want to go do something great for God, if God didn't say it, there's no obligation on God's part to make it happen for Abraham. That's right. How many times do people take off and go do things well-intentioned? Wanting to see something great happen for the kingdom of God. But if God didn't say it, he is not obligated in any way, shape, or form to help you out. It's a big word right there. Because why is it then when people go out and there's failure? And they come back and they go, what happened? How about, did you really hear from God? Make sense? In Galatians chapter 3, 6 and 7, Paul writes this about Abraham. He says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. Okay, listen to this. Abraham heard from God and believed him and therefore God counted him as righteous. The only way then, according to this, that a person can be born again, you can't be born again because you decide you want to go to heaven. 
You can't be born again because you decide you're going to go to church. You can't be born again because you decide anything. You're born again when the Spirit of God calls you and you say yes to what God said. Did you hear me? That's why living a good life, being a nice person, doing great things, giving all your money, sacrificing your body won't get you anywhere ultimately when it comes to the heaven and hell issue. Only by faith in God can you make it to heaven. Boy, you're quiet on me. Am I just, is it too much like, Pastor, it's the first service Saturday. Come on. I think whenever I tried to explain, I met with three, three church planners this week. Three guys that want to plant churches. Uh, two guys here in town and one guy from Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, all three of them, I think, are going to be really successful. All three of them asked me the question, what makes you successful there? And whenever I try to explain that to people, what, what most people want is, can you write down the formula? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do first? What did you do second? Uh, what were you teaching? They want, what, a lot of them want to know what you were teaching because they think if I just teach the same thing, yeah. nope. then I can see the same result. And so every time we go into that, man, I have to back up and I have to say, listen to me. I, you're not going to like what, I, what I'm about to say to you because you're very prepared to go out and you're going to try hard. But I need to pull that rug out from underneath you right now. Well, God wants you to work hard and God wants you to give it everything that you've got. You're going about it the wrong way. You need to be able to look me in the eye and tell me God told you to do this. Because if God did not tell you to go do this, you are about to embark on something where you're going to need him. And if he didn't tell you to do it, why should he show up? So I'm talking to all three of these guys, and all three of them in the conversation somewhere, this is three different days, somewhere they asked me, what was it that made you successful? I said, ultimately, I just need to tell you this. The only thing I can credit it to is that when you hear from God and you do what he tells you to do, he makes you look a lot better than you really are. <laughs> Anybody else got that testimony in your life? No, be honest with me right now. Be honest. Because I, if when, what they want, give me the formula, write the book, tell me how to do it, and I don't know exactly how we did it. One guy was like, how do you view other churches? It's really important. I can't tell the story because there's a pastor in our area that's about to start a church. And I can't tell the story yet. And he's coming and he's asking me. He comes from, it's a really good church that he's coming from, a big church. He's going to start a church. And he's like, man, how did you do it? What, what went on? You know, give me the this formula, the story here. And I said, the bottom line, you really tell me the God factor. Tell me what happened to you that makes you want to go do this right now. I probably shouldn't tell a story, but I'm going to tell a little bit of it. <laughs> he was in a church that wasn't a full gospel deal. And he got baptized in the Holy Spirit and ruined his ministry. <laughs> and God's done such a remarkable work in his life, man. And he is on fire. And I'm just listening to him. And he goes, bottom line, it's this. He says, I can't go back and teach what I used to teach because I don't believe it anymore. 
He said, I believe in healing and I believe in miracles and I believe in tongues. <laughs> and he said, the problem is it's all happened to me. How can I deny it? He said, you can't. And the guy goes, well, my problem is this. Who changed, me or my church? I said, you did. He said, then by right, I shouldn't break my church into a bunch of small pieces, should I? I said, man, that's brave. I said, that really takes courage. The God factor in his life is this. This guy is going to do what God told him to do at roughly my age because he doesn't want to hurt that group of people and he's going to leave, like an Abraham, everything that he has to go start from scratch to do it the right way. I admire that. And he goes, how do you view other churches? He goes, is it a threat that I'm coming to talk to you like this? I said, no. I said, you know, here's the problem. I said, the devil's church is bigger than all of our churches. I said, bro, um, between my church and my house are 100,000 people. And it only takes me 15 minutes to get there. I said, we need about a thousand churches just like yours. Faith. When we read about Abraham, do you have any Abraham? Is God saying anything to you? Is God challenging you on anything? Is he he speaking to you about anything in your marriage, with your children? Maybe you have a ministry. Maybe, Maybe it's just, maybe it's even simple like, this year I'd like to read through the Bible. Is God saying anything? Because I would just challenge you this way. I think that when God shows up in your life, he always is calling us to follow him. Is there anything happening? For time's sake, as I said, there's so much I'd like to just teach about faith here, but let 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 me go into this. He was a man of faith. He was also a man who made mistakes. A couple of weeks ago, I taught on Noah, and I used the idea that the Bible leaves the gray hair, the warts, and the wrinkles in for a reason. It, it leaves the bad stuff as well as the good stuff because it's, it's proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that this, if, listen, when somebody asks you who wrote the Bible, a man or God, the way you know it's inspired by the Holy Spirit is this. If a man wrote the Bible, he would have taken it much easier on himself. Think about it. Who writes about themselves and then includes all the junk? Because it's clearly in here, some of the mistakes that Abraham made. Let me just talk about it real quickly. Genesis chapter 16. His name at the time was Abram, not Abraham. And his wife's name is Sarai, not Sarah. And I'll talk in just a moment about how God changed their names. Let me just say this. In Genesis 16, 1 through 2, the Bible says, Now Sarah and Abram, or Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, 
See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, and perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Let me just quickly, and without trying to make it past a PG message, the Lord had come to Abram and Sarai and said to them, I am going to give you a child, and I want you to look up at the stars and try to count them, because when I get done with you, your offspring are going to outnumber all the stars that you can count. The problem is, at this time, Abram's already 90 years old. He's been walking with God these 15 years. The Bible says he and his wife's body are past the point of childbearing. But God gives them this word. And they've already had this experience with God where they believe him. So they must have believed him that it was possible. But I think through time and the fact that it didn't happen, how about this? Disappointment with God can be the mother of bad theology. When we begin to have disappointment... Instead of aligning our disappointment or our experience with the Bible, we begin to align the Bible with our experience. Make any sense? So she decides, okay, God is going to give us a child. He said it was going to come through me, but obviously he made a mistake. So here's what I want you to do. I've got this younger woman who serves me, and I want you to go in and sleep with her, and maybe I'll get the child that way. And then the Bible says he listened to her. Normally, I teach, listen to your wife. (laughs) Here is a very clear exception. (laughs) If she wants you to sin, don't do it. He went and he slept with her. She got pregnant. She has Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of the Arab nation today. The Bible says clearly God loves Ishmael and God blessed Ishmael and made him a prince and a mighty nation. But a prophecy came out right at that time. Here was the prophecy. Ishmael shall be a wild man. His hand will be against his brothers and his brother's hand will be against him and it will last for all generations. Yes or no, we live with that today. Yes. Yes, we do. It's a powerful prophecy. All right, let me just stop and comment here very quickly. The problem that happens here is that Sarai becomes very jealous of Hagar. She actually ends up hating her, hates the child, wants Abram to get rid of them. But Abram created this child, and he loved that child. But it got in the way of God's promise. Let me just give you a couple of interesting thoughts here, and let's kick this around. If God ever gives you a promise, never, ever help God fulfill his promise. No, I want you to listen. This is really important. One of the greatest mistakes you can make in your life is to take flesh and try to make flesh spirit. Here's what the New Testament says. Spirit is spirit. Flesh is flesh. Flesh never turns into spirit. Spirit never turns into flesh. You can't take what's wrong and make it right. God does not need you to help him if he makes a promise to you. I don't know if you've ever recognized this truth. 
but it is easy to create an Ishmael in your life that you will live with for the rest of your life if you do things according to the flesh. You ever gone off and decided, God, I'm going to do it this way rather than wait for you? And you create something, and once you create it like debt, it can follow you your whole life. God will give you a word about a relationship, and you decide, okay, I'll handle the details of the relationship. And you enter into something that you can't get out of. And even when you try, it just creates a greater mess. Anybody hear me? Ishmael's are dangerous. Ishmael's are works of the flesh. Ishmael's are not ever going to turn into a work of the Spirit. You can end up living with the result of your Ishmael for the rest of your life. Be very careful when God gives you a word never to go ahead of God and make the thing happen. Let God be God and you be you. The the counterfeit to the spirit is always flesh. You know, when it comes to the promises of God, one of the things we're tempted with as pastors and at church, (laughs) it's very tempting to want to make things happen. It's tempting to want to drive things. It's tempting to want to push things and, and, and... Use flesh. One of the things that I early on made a decision about with our church, and this is, this is difficult to live, live with. See if you can follow the, the thinking here. I just decided, just because God has done this work, we have no right to exist in perpetuity unless the Spirit of God is here with us on an ongoing basis. In other words, just because God got us started does not mean that we have the right now to take it and go do what we want to do. We have to every week, week in and week out, be hearing from God, listening to God, and if the Spirit of God is not in this church, then we should set it up where it actually becomes extinct rather than is allowed to exist. Did you hear that? I don't know, maybe that was just for, maybe that was just for me and to remind me But I know that one of the things the Lord told me is you have no right to exist in perpetuity. You only have the right to exist as you follow me, John. let Let me just finish the message and talk about Abraham this way. Let me talk about the record of remembrance. I read two scriptures to you, Old Testament, then the New Testament. And I want they're the same story, but they're told two different ways. One is from Abraham's side, and the other one is from God's side. So in Abraham, or excuse me, in Genesis 18. Verse 11 through 15, it says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old. Anybody notice any difference in that first sentence? Names are changed. Okay, here's the deal. Um, God showed back up after they created Ishmael and said, What in the world have you done? And the Lord said, I fully intend on giving you a child. And the Bible says that Sarah laughed at God. She laughed at him. She mocked him. But here's what happened. She became pregnant. She had a child. His name was Isaac. Isaac means laughter. It was at that point that God changed their names. Whenever God changes your name, it's to reflect the new nature that he has for you. They went from 
who they were to who they are. I'll, I'll hit the name thing in just a second. But Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, After I have grown old, shall I have the pleasure, my Lord, being old also? What she's saying is, after I'm too old, I'm going to have pleasure with you. You're too old. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I shall bear a child since I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, because she was afraid. And he said, yes, you did. I heard you laugh. Hebrews chapter 11 was the hall of faith. This is how God writes the story. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 through 12, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All right, let me stop. Here's what I want to show to you very quickly. These are the exact same stories. One is told by Abraham. One is told by God. Okay? Abraham's story is exactly right. God's story is exactly right. How can that be? God doesn't see things just for the way they are. He sees them for what they're going to be when you please him by operating in faith. And whenever God comes to you, the truth of the matter may be, you messed it up, it's got junk in it, you've torn it up, you've made mistakes, but if you will come to God and you will in faith give everything you have to him, including your Ishmael's, including your plans, including everything that you have. If you'll give it to God, here's what I know. God, when he writes down the way that it is, God sees it in a completely different way. And he's not lying. He just sees the whole picture. He sees the stuff you can't see. How many of you are glad for the way God keeps the record instead of the way you keep the record? Did you get that? I think one of the great things that we have when it comes to how the Holy Spirit works with us is that God doesn't see us where we are just in time and space. He sees it all the way to completion so that when he looks at you, he doesn't just see Stan, he sees Jesus inside of Stan. He doesn't see you for all the mistakes you did yesterday. He sees you completed standing before him in heaven. And everything's good. So that when God writes it down, it's not a lie. He just writes it down from the end of the story where Abraham writes it down from the beginning of the story. Tell me there's not a difference in those two things. And when God gets a hold of your life, there's the power of it. He writes the completion. And God has it planned good for you, not bad. Solomon wrote, the end of the matter is better than the beginning. How does he know that? Because he knows that when God gets done with your life, everything that he said to you is going to be yes and amen. I want to submit this to you. It doesn't matter where you are. If by faith you will come and give yourself to God, God will change everything so that the record of remembrance reflects what he sees, not the way it is right now. Amen. Do you get that? I think one of the most powerful truths of Scripture is that when God writes down the record of remembrance, 
it's a completely different story than the way we would write it. All right, here's what I would say is the takeaway. Everything in the Bible, but in particular the Old Testament, is written to inspire you so that you see your life as holy and not just average. Everything in there is written to be a testimony to you so that you would see, here's what God wants to do when you read their stories. It's supposed to inspire you to know God wants to operate like that in my life. If you're a person who doesn't have anything, God is saying to you, you see the stars in the sky? When I get done with you, you'll have more than the stars in the sky. If you're a person who doesn't have a good past, here's great news. God does not write the story from your past. He writes it from your future. Everyone is, every one of us in here, hey, we all, we all have deficiencies. Three of us. One more time. We all have deficiencies? Here's the good news. God, God, you have to help me in my deficiencies, but God, I'm going to rely on you to bring all the sufficiencies. So the end of the story is what you want it to be, and not what I want it to be. I want to say to you, I would end this message simply this way. God, by faith wants to do the impossible in your life. What's, what's going on in your relationship with him right now? Are you believing him for anything supernatural? Are you believing him for anything great that's going on? I got 45 seconds. Listen to this. One of the things that I have done, whenever I start a board meeting now, you, you know this to be true. One, two, three, four. Four guys who go to the board meeting who know this to be true. There's a board agenda. Tell me the first two things on the board agenda. First, first one is what? Prayer. Prayer. Second one is? Testimonies. I take our board meeting before we do any business, before we speak about the financial report, before we talk about anything else. We open with prayer. We spend time in prayer. And the second thing on the agenda is testimonies. And here's what I want my staff and my board to do. I want you to tell me in the last month what God's been doing in your life or in the life of people in our church. We hear every month. Last month, we had a guy that got healed hearing. We had a guy that was delivered from demonic oppression. We had financial miracles that happened for people. We just sit there and we begin to talk about all the different things that God is doing. And why do we do that? Because I don't want to do one piece of business in this church unless I have a group of pastors and a board that believes God can do the miraculous. If we don't start our session, our day, our marriage, our fatherhood, if we don't start it with the belief that God's going to do great things, that God is, is doing great things then all we're, we're just acting in flesh. We're creating Ishmael's all around us. The problem, Kelly, with teaching is that there's a place where it becomes absolutely superfluous. And you, God, you know, he, unless he says what I'm trying to say right now, I can't take it to the level of penetration in the heart. God wants to show up miraculously in your life right now 
do you believe that? And I don't have a thing that God wants to do. God wants to meet you at the level you need him to meet you at. Maybe it is your health. Maybe it is your hearing. Maybe it is your finances. Maybe it is that your heart is cold. Maybe it is that you need to see God do a miracle in your marriage. Maybe you need to leave this place with God having refreshed you. Maybe you need to leave here tonight knowing God. But I'm just saying to you, a simple belief is what it takes. If you don't believe, nothing can happen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema. Are you hearing God's voice right now when I speak to you? Because if all you hear is wah, 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 you can't have faith for it. Have you heard God speak to you right now? Okay, I'm going to do this as a demonstration. How many of you have heard the Holy Spirit speak to you in the last five minutes? If you did not hear him, don't raise your hand. God sees your heart. Okay, if you got your hand up, I want you to stand up right now. If you don't, stay seated. This would only be applicable if you heard God speak. Here's what I want to do. I want you, this week, to write me your testimony. What's your testimony? Whatever you're hearing from God about right now, I believe that the Lord is going to meet the need of your life. You're going to leave this place and you're going to have an experience. And I'm doing this to prove to you. The reason I said it was absolutely necessary, if you didn't hear from the voice of God, nothing's wrong with you. You're not strange. You're not weird. You're born again. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. God... When he speaks to us, we're responsible to hear. If he didn't speak, you don't do anything. You don't create an Ishmael. If you heard him, then you have the faith to act on it. So on every one of you who are standing, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to write me this week and tell me the testimony. Because here's what I believe. If you'll leave here tonight, acting in faith on what you're hearing right now, you will see this thing done in your life. You will see it. That's a bold statement. It's a bold statement. Father, for every person who stands right now saying, I'm hearing from the Lord, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. God, I'm asking right now, engage the person at that level of faith in their life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God, it is your delight when we hear you to take off and follow you. For some of you, it's as simple, the act of standing was the act of Abraham being willing to say, I've heard from God and I'm leaving everything else behind. You stood up because you heard from God. It's an act of faith. If it's your marriage, your health, your finances, maybe you're standing up for someone else that you've been praying for and God is speaking to you about that person. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's a dream that you have. Maybe it's a desire to know God in a different way. Whatever it would be. Maybe it's a deficiency. Maybe your life right now is messed up and it's only by faith that you believe the record of remembrance is going to be written different because of what God is able to do. Whatever it is right now, I agree with you that the Holy Spirit is saying yes. That God the Father is talking to you.
I ask in Jesus' name that this would be bound to you and that you see the interaction with God this week. I ask that the Holy Spirit bring you to remembrance to write me this week and to tell me what God did. Now the other thing that I would pray for if you're sitting there Remember what I said? While the word is going out, suddenly it can come to life. Is there anything suddenly that goes off in you? Is there any thought all of a sudden of a person or a situation that comes to mind? When I mentioned, listen to this, when I mentioned maybe you're standing for another person, if you were sitting and all of a sudden God brought someone to your memory that you've been praying for, that you've been, you've been going after with God, that's not an accident. That's not circumstance. That's not chance. That's the Holy Spirit. Act on it right now. I'll agree with you. Maybe it was for that person's salvation. Maybe it's for something in their life that is, that is binding them and, and tripping them. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a husband. What is it? Because I'm telling you right now, it's no accident. The Holy Spirit is trying to say something to you. I agree with you. Highlands Ranch, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? I want you to find your pastor after, one of your pastors. Have them agree with you. Castle Rock, I want you to do the same thing. Lone Tree, there are going to be people all over this auditorium that will agree with you in prayer. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Testimony. May God build great faith in your life. Great faith in your life. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us right now. Father, we wait on you. Settle in our lives, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Speak to us. Let me have the rest of you go ahead and stand, if you will. As Josh comes to close at this campus, the rest of our worship pastors move into position. Just ask 
every one of our campuses as you're standing right now. I want you just to engage with the Lord. I want you to agree and believe, trust. If you take communion, if you worship, I would encourage you tonight, tonight might be a great night of prayer. Tonight might be a great night to just agree. Maybe you and your spouse, you and your children, you with a friend, if you came by yourself and don't know anybody else, people in the back will be wearing lanyards that will say prayer on them. If there's anything that you just need agreement with tonight, that you just need prayer for, I would invite you to step back there and ask boldly for prayer. If you want to use our altar, our altars are always a place where you can come and gather. Let God have you. Come in faith. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Josh.